Discover the million-dollar sales page secrets used by the world's most successful copywriters and business owners. This is the Copywriting for Sales Pages show. And now your host, sales page expert and copywriting egghead, Debbie Owen. Hey, welcome back to another episode here of Sales Page Success. I am very excited to be able to introduce you to Jonathan Levi, who is a serial entrepreneur, a published author, and a self-proclaimed life hacker, born and raised right in Silicon Valley, although he's now based in Tel Aviv, Israel. Jonathan has been one of the top performing instructors on Udemy, known for blockbuster learning and memory courses, which I think is fascinating, and he's turned that huge success into many additional info products on his own online learning platform that it's called Super Learner Academy. And he's also the host of the award-winning podcast, Becoming Superhuman. In fact, he says, it's our belief that the key to achieving anything you wish in life is the ability to learn, unlearn, and relearn anything. And I think that's what makes life interesting, isn't it, Jonathan? I would agree with you. I would say, Einstein said, I wouldn't say it, but if you stop learning, you start dying. Yeah, if you're not learning and growing, you are dying. That is right. Well, it's great to have you with us today. Thanks so much for being here. It is a pleasure to meet you, and I'm so glad that Stephen connected us. Yes, me too. You, me too. Well, listen, I like to just dive right in so people can get some great value right from the beginning. As a serial entrepreneur, you've tried and obviously succeeded at many different things, but what are one or two of your experiments that didn't necessarily achieve liftoff? Oh my, just one or two. Ah. (laughs) (laughs) What's something that we could learn from that so that we don't make that same kind of mistake? Sure. Well, I've realized a really interesting thing in my career, Deborah, which is whenever I try to do something small and on the side, yeah, somehow it succeeds. And whenever I try to do something really, really big, and I set out these visions of it being a very big company mm-hmm. from the get-go, I must do something wrong. It ends up not succeeding. And every company that I've had that succeeded that's crossed the million dollars a year revenue has started as, well, if this works, it'll be a little interesting side business. And every business that I've started with, well, we're going to start by raising money and then it's going to get huge and then we're going to, you know, hire a CEO and go public have all failed. And so I think the takeaway there, well, we can get into the takeaways, but uh, there's a lot of those businesses. I started one which was going to be essentially Groupon for corporate social giving and discovering opportunities that you can engage with companies who are giving. Mm -hmm. Uh, I started a a series of different media ideas. I had a software company that I tried to do for e-commerce businesses, um, all of which ultimately failed. And all the businesses, like I said, that that were supposed to be these little side projects are still running. Oh, wow. That is amazing. What do you think is the difference between that? Is it it a mindset thing? Is it a focus thing? What's the difference? I think it is because I think when you, you know, we all know about the lean startup and if people don't know about the lean startup, they should read it. And and if you want to go back to the source material, you read Steve Blank's Four Steps to Epiphany and the Startup Owner's Manual, which are all great reads. And you tell I, I teach speed reading, so I just I tend to bury people in printed. <laughs> That's yeah. great. But um, I think when you start a business from the side, you have to be lean, and not lean in terms of cutting costs, but lean in terms of leveraging the the efforts that you make and the resources that you invest. And so you you do the research because you say, well, this is a business I want to set and forget. So mm-hmm. let me talk to twenty different people, and let me 
interview them and ask them how this is going to work. And well, I don't want to spend too much time on it because this is going to be my side hustle. So let me automate it and set it up for success growth on its own. Whereas when you, at least when I come with the mindset that is, this is going to be a huge business and we're going to raise millions of dollars. So what does it matter? I think you go about things in a different and more wasteful and more cavalier way. Uh-huh. And you neglect those, those fundamentals that have become such a uh, instrumental part of startup culture. I don't want to say startup culture, but of entrepreneurship, which okay. is doing that research, doing that work, being agile and, and nimble. Mm-hmm. That's been my experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you get back into, you know, research. I mean, that's clearly a, coming from right. a copywriter's and marketer's perspective. I mean, that's a huge element of right. any successful business is making sure you've done the research. Can you talk about that just yeah. a little bit more? Well, you actually reminded me of a really brilliant point, which is a lot of times when you start out and say, this is going to be a billion dollar business, it's because you're reacting to some market trend, which is investors are really hot on this right now, or, you know, businesses are all investing in this. This is some big trend that I've identified. Whereas when you start a little small side business, it comes from a a personal pain that you understand, you know, and as copywriters, we know the best way to get into writing copy and creating killer words that that influence people's behavior is to enter into the conversation that's already happening in the prospect's mind, Robert Collier. And the way that you do this, you start thinking about the pain, right? The the prospect is never thinking, my, my life is so wonderful. What do I do now? You know, it's more like, uh, you know, oh my gosh, I just got paid my annual bonus and I don't know what to do. What's the financial, the financially responsible decision? I have this pain of anxiety. Mm-hmm. And so when you start products from that pain and it's a personal pain, and, and this isn't stuff that I invented. This is stuff entrepreneurs have known for decades, right. maybe centuries. <laughs> but when you start from that personal pain, I think that's what, that's what makes the difference. And every single one of my businesses that have worked have started with, gosh, that really sucked. Is nobody really offering this in the marketplace? Do I really have to do it this old-fashioned way? Okay. And, uh, and, and, you know, without fail, I've always scratched my own itch. And, and that's the only way I know to actually get it to work successfully. So that's kind of the common denominator of your projects that have truly been successful is you're scratching your own itch. Precisely. Yeah, Precisely. because then you know, you know the pain best. And, mm-hmm. you, I mean, you still do your research. You talk to people. But the fact that you already have some experience of it yourself makes it just a lot easier to figure out which direction to go. 100%. And, and if you don't have the pain, I think it's very easy to do the research, but do it in a going through the motions kind of way where you, you, you know, the difference between good science and bad science is the, is the mentality mm-hmm. of the scientist is, is I'm, is I'm, <laughs> am I doing the, work of the research and the testing to prove my own hypotheses or am I doing it to learn what the hypotheses should be? And that's, that's a fundamental that shaped our entire society. And I have done the research for these big startup ideas to prove my own hypotheses, which is this is the way the advertising industry is going or everyone is going to want to do this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and you botch the results and the yeah. positives. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, that's great. That's, those are that's just some great takeaways. Well, let me ask you, um, what have you found to be some of the kind of human, be, uh, human psychology and behavior triggers that cause people enough pain and frustration that they're finally open to making that purchase 
in order to solve the problem. I mean, yeah. we're, you know, we're, we, want to, we want to be problem solvers. More than marketers or business owners, we should look at ourselves as problem yes. solvers. So what, is, what are some of the, the triggers that will cause people to actually go ahead and make that purchase? Yeah, you know, the one that I really find myself leaning on, I mean, I am in the self-help and, and personal growth space, so it's, it's mm-hmm. obvious that I would lean on this, but my favorite place to go and I recently realized just how much I love this area yeah. because I, I made for me the mistake of going to Landmark Forum, which is also in the personal growth area, mm-hmm. but I, they are more about the stick than the carrot. And what that taught me is I, as a teacher, do not like to go to my prospects and tell them you failed and you wasted this much time and you know it's all your fault and, and break them before I build them up. I realized that I like to build them up and then build them up. <laughs> and so, <laughs> place that I like to go, and, and this comes from, you know, who I am and, and my history of beating myself up as a learner and learning disabilities. The place that I like to go is, Deborah, you have all this amazing potential if you could just, and it's, you know, you know, I don't have to tell you, you know what you're capable of. Right. It's just no one has given you, and you know, this is classic othering that we do in copy is, is I studied sociology in, in undergraduate, but okay. making someone else the other, which is the academic system hasn't taught you how to use your brain, but going into the pain of, you know that you're capable of more, you know that you're destined for more. Mm. Uh, I, I like, even when I, you know, there's a tendency of, of marketers, I've had marketers tell me before, I figure out what the, what the itch is and I scratch it till it bleeds and then the person buys the Band-Aid. And I hate that approach. Mm-hmm. For me, it's, it's, it's compassion first. It's leading with heart. And so that's, if you look at our copy, if you look at our marketing, it's all about, and, and to Stephen's credit, he's taught me a lot of this, uh, our mutual friend, Stephen. Yes. Is, it is not your fault. Yeah. And together we're going to find the solution. But you have to point out, you know, what are the things that, um, what are the things that are happening to where you're blaming yourself? Mm-hmm. You know, this is, this is so great because I actually had some conversation online with some people this week where there was a famous copywriter who shall remain nameless who wrote this big article about how important it is to, uh, to basic, I can't remember his exact words, but the, I, the, I came away with like, you know, you got to browbeat them and crush them and then, they, then they'll be yeah. able to get better and better. And I spent 12 years as a public school teacher. And I know that that is not the way people learn best. Yes, you can learn that way, but that's not the way you learn best. My oldest son just got out of the Navy, and I've always been appalled at how they train the military. Yes, it's effective, but how much more effective would it be if you build them up and then build them up, as you say? So I have two interesting comments. This is kind of how the super learner methodology works, is every point branches out into a million connections. Yep. Um, Exactly. One of them is uh, the military is not training for creativity and and independent thinking. If you compare it to the Israeli military, my father was in the Israeli military, and he always told me that in the IDF, they want people to solve problems at the lowest possible level. There's really interesting case studies of during the Yom Kippur War where an American soldier would have said, we're taking fire, what's our next order? Mm -hmm. And the Israeli soldier at the lowest possible level said, we're taking fire and here's what we're going to do and saved an entire platoon of tanks by saying, okay, uh, go back and forth until we kick up a a storm of sand. And because he hadn't been broken into just receiving orders, it was building up and been building up. Um, And I think that's really, really interesting. That is fascinating. 
Yeah, it, it is. And I recommend people if they want to kind of get into that psychology, there's another book called uh, The Startup Nation. It okay. talks about why, why does the Israeli military breed the best entrepreneurs in the world and why if it were a startup accelerator, would it be above Y Combinator? And it's that kind of stuff. Love it. Uh, and the second thing is, is uh, I love, I think it's Gary Halbert who said, no, I'm sorry, it's Robert Collier who said, you know, if uh, on the topic of browbeating, if your prospect has acne, you don't need to show them the acne. They know what it looks like. <laughs> you just need to remind them that you want to help them with the acne. Right, right, right. Okay, yeah, this is, this is great. And, and remind that you're helping them with the acne. And you can also kind of demonstrate what continuing to have the acne might, you know, what that problem might continue sure. to look like. You know, sure. They don't have to see the acne themselves, but they can, they can picture themselves 100%. not having the date, not having, you know, feeling un, not confident. And, and so oh, that's they, good. We should yeah. use that. Like what, what will happen 10 years from now if you're not able to overcome your learning challenges and information overload. We should exactly. use that. I'm gonna There you go. It. Copywriter on, on call for you. <laughs> I love it. All right. Let me ask you this. What um uh, we kind of answered this. What what is the difference between pain and pleasure in the marketing and sales message? And I think that kind of comes out to really focusing on, as you were saying, um not not having to pull the scab off, but really just showing them that they can ha- they can be a better person. So totally. Yeah. Totally. And I think the pleasure really comes in. I mean, one of the things that I've learned over the last few years, and I knew this at a theoretical level, you know, when I took my first marketing class, I, t- I managed to get in, sneak into a marketing class when I was in my undergrad. It was oversubscribed, but I talked to the professor. And uh, the first lecture he talks about, you know, marketing begin and end at the sale. Or I'm sorry, it doesn't begin at AIDA and end at the sale. Marketing is your product and it is the product experience. And I knew that. And I think when one of the big realizations was just how far that goes, just how much you want to resell a customer who's already paid you money mm-hmm. on the product. And it's, it's not thank you for buying, it's congratulations for making this decision. Right. Huge difference. And then the pleasure of reiterating three or four times, like at the end of this process, you are going to be on top of the hill at the end of the hero's journey. So. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And for, for viewers and listeners, that is absolutely key. You need to be aware of what Jonathan just said. When people buy, they want, you want to continue to congratulate them for buying and continue to demonstrate to them what they're going to get out of it. Um, that's really important because if you just say, hey, thanks for buying, that's about you, the marketer, but you want to be client-centered. So, yeah, that's a great Great reminder. Thank you. What are some of the most difficult objections that you encounter and, and how do you overcome them? Or do you even try to overcome them in your marketing? We probably don't overcome them enough. You can never overcome them enough uh, if you're doing it in an authentic way. I, I'm a little bit more conservative than some of the people in this space. Okay. Um, I don't do the, you know, you try to click out of one of my emails and it pops up and opens another one that says, are you sure? Because this is going to be the worst decision you ever make in your life. And are you sure you're sure? You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I pull back a little short of that, but I have become progressively more comfortable with, uh, there's a term that they always use like objection shooting or objection, objection hunting. handling or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's a nicer way to put it than yeah. I've heard. I like that. Okay. Um, and for us, the, the biggest objections that we get are price and time. Uh, and that those are not only objections, those are reasons why people refund within our 30-day refund policy is 
you know what, I actually really need the money for something else, or uh, I just haven't had the time to go into the program. Mm -hmm. um, and we probably should handle that in the way that we should handle that better is reminding people that this is the best, and I believe it's the best investment you'll ever make in your life. I believe that education as a whole is the best investment you can possibly make. And I, I recently realized that not just education in yourself, but education in everyone else around you. Like educating your staff, your employees, your kids, your parents. Mm -hmm. It's just education is this, this thing that has a ripple effect in communities and in companies. Um, and so I fully believe that education is the best investment. You can tell I was raised by nice Jewish parents. You know, <laughs> kind of like the party line. But I also believe that therefore educating yourself on how to better educate yourself and absorb information is, is likely one of the best investments that people will ever make in their lives. And mm -hmm. so driving that point home, and I think probably we need to train our sales staff to drive that point home more. Um, so that, yeah, so that is, that goes along with what you said earlier about just lifting people up, lifting up instead of, 100%. you know, coming down why, hard on. Why are you so cheap? And, you know, <laughs> You're always, you're always putting other things in front of yourself, you know. Yeah. I just don't, I don't think that method works. Well, clearly the fact that you've sold as many uh, copies of your programs mm -hmm. as you have indicates that there's some value to the way that you do your marketing. So I think people need to pay attention to that. It's, uh, it's a little bit counter what we hear normally. And so, so here's a question. Do you think that that works especially well within the personal development field or is it just kind of in general or, or is it hard to say since you're mostly in personal development? Well, I mean, I am mostly in personal development. Um, I will tell you that we recently tried to do a series of courses on Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. And for that, we very specifically did not want to go anywhere near the get rich, cri great, uh, get rich. rich crowd. There we yeah. go. Um, because first off, I, I don't, it, ethically, I think it's, it's scary. We knew that, you know, it was going up like this. We knew there was going to be a correction. Mm -hmm. Uh, anyone who follows this stuff knew that there was going to be a correction. And so we, we came at it more from a, this is a new technology that's going to be emerging. That's going to be changing the face of economies and societies. And mm -hmm. it's something that you should learn about. And it's something that you should be aware of and educated and know how to defend yourself against all the various attacks and blah, 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 blah. And that did not work <laughs> because mm -hmm. we did not have this. Here is your pain right now. And we tried to weave it in. You know, we talked about the stock market has crashed, taking a 50% nosedive twice in the last whatever years. And you know, the banks are doing this and, and they get bailed out and you don't, we tried to paint this whole other picture, but there was no clear pain for the user. Right. They, you know, to where I could comfortably ethically say your entire life savings is, is being jeopardized by a fiat currency system that is a house of cards that even the most advanced economists don't really understand the levers that they're pulling, you know. And, and, and because we didn't have that pain pleasure, as, as you put it, yeah. we weren't able, I mean, our webinar didn't sell, our emails didn't sell. A lot of what we sold, and, and we were able to sell many copies, but it came just off people trusting my word and okay. the copy that I wrote to launch the course and saying, you know, we, in our buyer surveys, it was, Jonathan said that this is interesting and important.
and so I bought the course. Ah, uh, so whole, that, a whole different. That's a whole know. other subject, right? That's all right. about the relationship that you've built up with your particular audience. Let's let's dive into that a little bit. I mean, yeah. how do you build up that relationship? What what is your what is your kind of method that you know has worked over time that helps mm-hmm. you develop that relationship? So that, as my friend Todd Brown says, you know, marketing is is seventy five percent of it, and then you you know at the end you have this twenty five percent sales. The idea is to make selling superfluous. You know, so so how does yeah? Does well, I, I don't think anything I'm going to say is going to come as a real surprise to people. To yeah. be honest with you, I think the first thing is be dependable and build insanely great products that people love. Mm-hmm. Uh, your product is, is your front face, right? It's your first mm-hmm. line of, of offense and defense and whatever you want to call it. Right. And it's what people interact with, especially in a business like mine. I am setting up my business very in, in, intentionally that people should never have to actually interact with me or my team. Everything should be contained within the product so that if you're watching it at 2 a.m. in your underwear, you shouldn't have to say, you know, geez, I need help right now. Yeah. So we, we look at that as a, as a plus. Okay. Uh, and, and we design our products so that they should be self-sustaining. And so therefore, for 99% of my customers in a perfect world, that's the only experience they have of me. Mm-hmm. So it better represent me very, very well. Then the other thing is, is uh, the same principle I apply to my personal life, which is just radical honesty. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if I overstate something by even a little bit, I go back and I fix it. And, and being... Being transparent, you know, it goes into the whole Brene Brown vulnerability thing. Right. Being really, really authentic with people so that they can build trust with you and with your products. Uh, Because at the end of the day, you know, we just launched this branding you course and it, it's, it's a, it's a hop, skip and a, and a many jumps away from a super learning course. And, you know, we wrote the copy in such a, which is you learn all this new stuff. Now it's time to share your knowledge and build courses, podcasts, products. But most of the people buying that, you know, the morning that they bought it, they didn't wake up and think, I want to be an online teacher. Right. Nor did I, nor did my partner. But uh, making that decision, ultimately for the, the people who bought that program for $1,000, came down to, do I trust what Jonathan is saying? Mm-hmm. It was years of building up that relationship in an automated way with automated emails and sending out YouTube videos and but building up that relationship to where these people can actually put faith in, in the words I'm saying. When I say, I really believe that this course is going to help you build a side business or take a, a new trajectory in your career, it better live up to it. And, and, you know, right, right, right. Well, tell us a little bit more about branding you Academy, because I think it's relevant to what we're talking about here in terms of sales. Sure. Um, sure. Yeah, tell us about that, why you started it and what, what, what you're hoping to accomplish with it and stuff. Yeah. So one of my favorite authors is Tim Ferriss, and he always says you write a book when the, the burden of the knowledge just so have to get it out. I think that is true with, with the original Branding You course. My partner and I, Anthony, built a small Udemy course. So again, testing, mm-hmm. you know, a minimally viable product, mm-hmm. and we had thousands of people go through it. And at that time, you know, my business was a six-figure business. His business was a six-figure business. And we were still learning and still are learning. I've learned things in the last 20 minutes on this podcast that I need to be doing better. <laughs> um, but we put out this course. We had thousands of people go through it. And we had people start writing to us and saying, okay, you know, I lived up to the message, which was build a six-figure multimedia 
And we have a couple of people making a hundred thousand plus a year doing this stuff. Um, and we didn't even go into the premium courses and the coaching and how do you actually write the copy? It was more about what does this ecosystem look like? Mm-hmm. How do you podcasts to online courses? Where does a mailing list fit in? When's the right time? What mm-hmm. do you send out? You know, what's your content strategy look like? We realized that things that got a whole sentence in the prior course need to get a whole course, a two hour course in this. Right. Was, how do you, how do you create the best quality video? Con keeps people coming back. How do you write copy and, and a lot of the stuff that we're talking about today, Deborah? Mm-hmm. Um, how do you how do you pursue joint ventures with other content creators in a productive way? And so we we spent about half a year taking everything that we know from getting our businesses from the six figure to the seven figure level, and then we just committed it to slides and videos and and texts and worksheets and really making it a program to where, because we know there are many programs there that will teach you how to do webinars and will teach you how to write copy. But the reason that I think my audience comes to me time and time again, is I take a subject that you can learn in a hundred different places. I try to get as close to mastery of it as I can. And then I condense it into the 20% that's going to give people the 80%. Boom. Um, that's, that's the key to 20%. Well, this is what you exactly. got to know to do this. Yep. Exactly. And, and I'm not going to spend, hours like Amy Porterfield is going into how your slides should look like on your webinar. I'm just going to say, here's my template. I've tried 10 other templates. This is the one that works. Download it and use it. Um, because I'm not trying to fill a, a $100 course just on webinars. I'm trying to build you know, uh, an encyclopedic course of everything that you need to know to get this business off the ground. And, and by the way, I think there's nothing wrong with any of those other approaches. I love Amy Porterfield stuff. I love Russell Brunson stuff. I mm-hmm. love, obviously, anything you can find by Gary Halbert. You know, um, I think we're, as content creators, we're in a very blessed position where we don't have competitors. So I will tell people, start with my course because I'm going to give you a broad overview. Mm-hmm. But I, when you get to the level that I'm at, it's time for you to learn from the people that I'm learning from. Right. And now we're hitting this plateau where we want to double our business again. And now I need to go in and talk to the guys like Jason Fladline, who's doing 120 million or 200 million or whatever he's doing in webinars and say, how do I learn from you and get to the next level? So, oh, that's great. And then you come back and give the 20% to your audience. I can give the 20%. Exactly. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. There's no such thing as competition in the content creation space. No. Yeah. I love that. That's really great. That's really great. So um, is, can you share an example of either a, a sales message or a sales vehicle, whether that's a VSL or a webinar or a sales page or something like that, that just really rocked for you? And oh, yeah. what was the most important element of, of that message or that vehicle? Sure. So I'm going to give a shout out again to our mutual friend, Steven, because he okay. runs our marketing funnels. Um, right. And if anyone is listening, you cannot have him. We don't share <laughs> I had, we had a great interview. We had a great conversation last week. So that will be going up also. Please do not contact him. I do not want to share him. <laughs> I'm just great. Contact him. Uh, but you'll have me to answer to. Anyway, <laughs> so we set up a webinar, which is what a lot of the top guys are doing. You know, the Jason Fladlines and the Russell Brunsons and the Amy mm-hmm. Porterfields and, and pretty much anyone in this space is now in webinars. Mm-hmm. And um, stop me if this is stuff Stephen said, but basically yeah. our webinar is all about triple your learning and memory speed. We come at it from a couple different angles of pain points. One is memorize more information and one is in, enhance your ability to learn. We target people who are in 
transitionary points in their life, starting a new job or entering a new degree and want to get the most out of it as they should. Mm -hmm. Uh, The webinar then goes into talking about, uh, it does a fair bit of othering. The school system didn't prepare you for all the learning that you need to do and information overload is a real thing and it's only getting worse. And then we teach our top three strategies and we go, I'm of the school, unlike the Russell Brunsons uh, who say, don't teach on your webinar, we teach and we teach a good bit. Um, Russell claims that that way will do it better, but I think he also teaches more than, than he readily admits. Yeah. And we teach people some really powerful techniques. Then the upsell comes when we tell them, you know, are you actually going to go home and do this and practice this and use it and implement it in your life? And if you feel like you need the support, then here's the, mm-hmm. the upsell. Um, and then we throw in a ton of bundles and, and mm-hmm. time bonuses and stuff like that for people who actually act quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, those disappear as soon as you get off the webinar. But um, we have all kinds of different email funnels and packages. And that, I mean, that's... That's the formula. That's, that's a seven-figure funnel right there. Yep. And it's, it's not rocket science, and a lot of people are doing it. And, and a lot of people are doing it well. And that all the people who are doing it well are pretty much doing it the same way. Yeah. So that's what we teach in our in one of our subcourses, wildfire webinars. Is this is the template? You really don't need to get creative with the marketing aspect of it. Get creative with the teaching aspect of it. How can I teach? You know, because by the time you do the setup and that everyone checks their microphone and you do the selling, you're talking about 35 minutes of actual content. So mm-hmm. how do I teach the best 35 minutes of stuff that I've got? Right. Um, right. But you know that has just crushed for us. That's great. And so, but, so the one key though, is this is a warm audience. You're sending this webinar either to, no, you're sending cold traffic. Yeah. So I probably shouldn't admit this, but we have a cold webinar and a warm webinar. And the difference between the cold and the warm is in the warm. I acknowledge that I also teach courses in other places Uh and that I have a podcast because I know people won't get distracted by opening up new tabs because they came from those other places. Right. Uh, The cold webinar is, is going to cold traffic and the magic of the webinar right? People buy from you when they know, like, and trust you. Right. And the magic of the webinar is you see my face, you spend an hour with me. I give you something. I give you a lot of things. I give you a free book. If you attend, I give you a webinar worksheet and I give you a one hour training session. And the magic of reciprocity is by the end of one hour, you're on a webinar within 15 minutes Mm -hmm. of seeing my ad. We do the just in time. Okay. We lose some points for authenticity of, of actually it being live, but mm-hmm. um, the immediacy is probably more important than the authenticity, I think. Yeah, and, and within an hour, you know, like, and trust me yeah. enough to give me a chance to try my product, and then it comes back to what we talked about before, which is I think our product kicks ass. So <laughs> people generally stick around for it. Okay. Okay. That's really valuable information because most the, the, the conventional wisdom is uh, it's crazy to send cold traffic directly to a webinar because it just doesn't convert. But um, toys for us. I mean, it's, okay. it is so effective for us. And we've had a little bit of difficulty with our ads because now we're getting up into pretty high ad spending. Yeah. Um, very high ad spending. We're not spending a million dollars a day or anything, but very yep. high ad spending. And it's very hard to keep the 300 to 400% ROI without having a dedicated team of people. So that, that's one of the struggles we're focused on in our business right now is how do we scale this to, you know, $200,000 a month in ad spend and still, wow. and not burn through saturating right. and, and getting the, the returns that we're getting. 
Right, right, right. That's great. That's great. Well, Jonathan, are, are there any kind of like big takeaways from our conversation today that you would really want to make sure people can can go home and implement right now? I mean, yeah. Yeah, let's yeah. Get- well, we didn't cover it, but it is one thing that I, I want to cover, which is okay, yeah. I want to encourage people to create an ecosystem of products because we talk a lot about this in the Branding You course, but there's a different price point for every customer. And I studied economics before I switched to sociology. And, and so I understand that there are some customers who their willingness to pay is zero, but there's mm-hmm. still a value to you because they're still going to leave review iTunes. They're still going to watch your YouTube videos. They're still going to consume ads in, in your free content. And then there's users who are willing to pay $10,000 to get in a room with you. And I think too many content creators, first off, they apply the hedgehog concept, you know, the Jim Collins, I'll just focus on this one thing. Mm -hmm. And then they also go a little too far with the Tim Ferriss muse of, let me just outsource all my marketing to Amazon or iTunes or Udemy and I'll just handle it. In a perfect world, they would. And sometimes Mm -hmm. they do. But in reality, if you want to make a serious business out of this and build a seven-figure machine that runs itself. It's about creating a content ecosystem, a world that is represented on iTunes and Amazon and Udemy and, and really showing a united front of congruence between those products and always keeping people engaged with your new content. So that's mm-hmm. a big takeaway, but mm-hmm. and it, it, that doesn't mean go open a Snapchat and a Pinterest and a 500 other things, but it means pick the five or six things that you can do well and do them very well. And remember that it's a snowball effect. Every video someone watches is making them more likely to get on your mailing list. And once they're on their mailing list, they're more likely to buy your courses. And once they buy your courses, now they're going to start asking you about private coaching. And it's this snowballing effect of creating relationship. And think about when you create a relationship, you know, one of the most important things people can do is think about marketing as relationship building, I think. Right. right. And one of the most important markers of creating a relationship, you know, people that we don't really know so well, we add them on Facebook and we forget about them. The people that we want to build a relationship with, we add them on Facebook and then we ask them for their phone number and then we want to share those concert tickets with them. So we add their email. We're constantly building more and more connections to those people. And, uh, and I think that's, that's what the brand strategy is about. That's great. That's great. Well, I think uh, I think our viewers and listeners have gotten a ton of value from this conversation. It's been wonderful to meet you and talk with you. And please, us, where can people find you online to get more from Jonathan Levi? Yeah, so you can go to jle.vi. It's uh, just one website that has all my stuff, and there's coupon codes to pretty much everything I do there. So, Oh, that's great. That's great. Well, thank you so much for being part of this show, and uh, I think we got some really great sales and marketing takeaways. It was my pleasure, Deborah. Okay, thanks. Take care. Hey, my name is Deborah Owen from Big League Copywriting. Knowing how to write copy for your business is one of the most important skills you can learn, but I see many business owners making easily correctable mistakes. Find out if you're making some of these mistakes by getting your copy of Why Your Sales Page Isn't Converting, 12 Big Mistakes Business Owners Make When Writing Their Own Copy. And you can find that at bit.ly slash why sales page isn't converting. So let's get you some sales page success.